Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning to you. You're waking up to beautiful sunny skies right now around Metro Atlanta. About 65 degrees. It's going to be a nice day. Thank you for sharing some of it with us here on 95.5 WSB. Ashley Frasca, the traffic reporter by day. Garden host by weekend, 6 to 9, green and growing every Saturday now in the place of what used to be the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. It was good to hear from our friend earlier in the show. If you miss any parts of the show, you're welcome to go on WSBRadio.com as early as Monday morning. And we put the whole show back up there and special segments of the show for you to listen to as well. And if you've missed any of our time with Dr. Dave Coyle from Clemson University, that's going to be how you can go back and visit some of our conversation. And we're taking a lot of great questions from you, 404-872-0750. So, Dr. Dave, I twisted your arm, and you're back for maybe another 20, 25 minutes. Does that sound good? That sounds great. (laughs) I love it. So, just before the break there, we started getting into tree health a little bit and best practices. And yes, one of the not best practices is volcano mulching, like you mentioned. I don't know why folks feel the need to you know, shove that mulch upon a trunk and bury the first, you know, maybe six, eight inches of a trunk of a tree. But what are some other general good practices for tree health or things to avoid? Well, let's talk about planting first. I mean, it's, you know, everyone's trapped and I'm I'm included in there. We're doing a lot of gardening and all that type of thing. And some of these things we're doing are planting trees. Now, right now is not an optimal time to plant a tree. Uh, the best time to plant trees are when it's much cooler, you know, the winter months, that way, when that tree starts getting warmed up, it can grow and, and sort of make those new roots as the weather warms up. But if you are going to plant a tree now, it can be done. It just takes a little more hand-holding and babysitting is how I would call it. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to make sure you've got the right the hole dug large enough. You've got to break up that root ball a little bit and make sure there's no girdling roots. And you're really going to have to keep that thing watered, especially, you know, like you said, it's going to get warm in the next few days. Uh, that's that's a really important thing. So I don't want people to think they can't plant a tree right now, but if you are going to plant it, you've really got to stay on top of the watering of it. That's the, the number one thing I would tell folks. And do all trees, or is it just newly planted trees, what benefits the most from mulching? All of them benefit the most. And, you know, part of the reason we advise people to mulch trees is so that things stay away from the trunk, Right, because one of the main ways trees can get things like those button root rocks, you get that decay right at the base of the tree, is something simple like it getting hit with a weed eater or or nicked by a lawnmower. Right, we call it lawnmower blight in mm-hmm. the business, and this is when you know people just run over those large roots. So part of what we're doing is protecting that root 
system and that lower trunk from ourselves. Uh, it also helps hold moisture in there. A good, a good, you know, couple of inches of mulch will help hold moisture in, which is extremely important as we get dry here as well. And, you know, folks usually generally start calling this time of year as they're out mowing the lawn and, and paying a little more attention to tree roots that, say, are growing up through the lawn now and kind of, you know, running mm-hmm. along where they want grass or starting to disrupt a sidewalk or a driveway or something. But it's so important for folks to know when they can and can't mess with those roots, right? That could be fatal to the tree. Yeah, you know, roots are so important to a tree. Um, I generally advise people don't mess with them unless it's a really, really important thing. Like, you don't need to do aesthetic root pruning on these things. If it's run into your driveway, that's one thing, you know, but, but we need to be careful when we do that. And with all trees, the best time to remove any large chunk of it is going to be when it's dormant. So for hardwood trees, it's when there's no more leaves on there. And pines actually, even though they stay green, they're sort of semi-dormant in the winter as well. So that's a good time to do that type of maintenance. Good advice. Okay. And on a broader scale too, with you having a background also in forest management and forestry health too, talk to Mm -hmm. me about why just the homeowner or the everyday gardener needs to pay attention to that and needs to be concerned for forestry health. You know, forests are so important in so many ways that a lot of people don't think about. The reason, you know, one of the reasons forests are there, obviously, is the economy. You know, in the southeast is a huge southern pine area. We make, you know, toilet papers in the news so much lately. A lot of where that stuff comes from is all our, uh, you know, tree plantations and stuff we have down here, the tree farms, if you will. Um, the Forests are great for filtering water. They're a huge thing to filter water. They filter air. They provide all these great wildlife benefits you know any birds if if you you got listeners that love to watch birds Mm -hmm. a lot of those birds rely on forests or at least you know wooded areas in some way maybe it's to get stuff for their nest maybe it's to get food for their babies all that type of thing so they're they you know they intermix into every part of our life it's just a really important part of the ecosystem we got yeah and thankful for folks in your line of work and as well as like you think about the army corps of engineers and the department of natural resources and all that they do to maintain that you don't just walk to a park or walk to you know uh, the woods and think that oh well this is just untouched this hasn't been maintained there is some scientific you know purpose with all of it and how it coexists and how it's kept healthy and all of that. So, all right, Dr. Dave Coyle from Clemson University here to answer more of your calls, too. We're on a roll. 404-872-0750. Thank you for being patient. Marie calling from Greensboro. Good morning. Oh, Marie, are you there? Marie has been so patient. And this is the very moment that she probably walked away to heat up her coffee. Dang it. Okay, so I did want to answer her question, though. Uh, making a raised bed, what type of soil to use. So it is not too late to be thinking about that just very quickly. That's something I've talked about on the show here in previous weeks because I know you're really itching to get out there and do your vegetable garden. So it's very important. The soil blend that you put into a raised bed is the most important ingredient because many gardens fail just due to poor soil. So making it off to a great start, prepare the soil for planting and spread any amendments, compost, all of that, work everything into the soil. Generally, recommendations for the bottom of the raised bed, just a layer of topsoil. That's going to be the most inexpensive component that you put in there. Mixing in compost, whether you have started a compost pile of 
coffee grounds and shredded leaves and grass clippings and things like that. That's always good as well. You look on the garden soil bag labels too, just depending on what your soil content is. If you need something like bone meal or earthworm castings, you've heard of all of those things maybe being incorporated in. But the top layer of my raised beds on top of the topsoil, I've got some compost mixed in with just a good natural garden soil as well, Marie, and I think that's going to do you just fine. 404-872-0750. Nelson calling from out in Loganville. Good morning, Nelson. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. I'm actually from Locust Grove. Locust Grove. Hey, that is way different than Loganville. <laughs> well, welcome yes, from Henry yes, County. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Ms. Great. Ashley? How you doing, Dr. Dave? Good morning. Good morning. Good. So I got a... I, it's a cypress tree. I don't know what kind of cypress tree it is, but um, for the last um, last year, and about this time of the year, it, it started getting spider webs, and and I, I didn't pay too much attention to it, but it's starting to do it again, and the leaves are starting to brown up, and I'm I'm tempted to uh, spray some of that seven spray on it, but. I, I, I'm not sure what I can do to 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 take care of it uh, to uh, to to kill to kill whatever the I think it's spider mites. I'm not sure. Now describe to us but, first, Nelson, before Dr. Dave kind of gives you an answer there for folks who may be experiencing this too. Are the are the webs more at the tips of the branches of the cypress, or more are they more inward where the branches meet the trunk? No, they are on the tips. Okay, great, Dr. Dave, it's all you. Yeah, that definitely sounds like spider mites. I think you nailed it. How how large is that cypress tree? Um, it's about twenty feet. Uh, and yeah. they're, they're, I got two of them, and they're and they're both doing them. They're, they're and they're together, and they're both doing it. And, they, and it's never done it before, except for last year when I didn't pay too much attention to it. Um, I, I, but this year it's doing it again. Now I'm kind of worried, and it's starting to brown up pretty ugly. Yeah, that's what, and that's what makes me think it really is spider mites because they're feeding on the 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 juice in those uh, you know cypress needles there. You know, I would almost tell you the best thing for spider mites is hit it hard with a hose, like a, a pressurized water, because a lot of times that both knocks off those mites and the the force of them just kills them. They're really tiny, soft bodied things. You, you know, if you spray a seven duster or some sort of contact insecticide on there, spider mites are notorious for thriving when all the natural enemies are killed. Oh, no. So if you, if you put something on there that's going to wipe out anything, you know, insect and bug, spider mites are probably going to be the first thing to come back fast and furious. So, you know, it's, and I've seen this time and time again, both in outside trees and in greenhouses. I would recommend if you can get a hose with a, a nozzle on it, you know, just spray the heck out of that thing and try to knock those out. You might have to do it, you know, several times, but that seems to be kind of one of the better ways to get rid of spider mites. I love it. Good. Nelson, that was a great question. Thank you so much for listening, man. I appreciate it. Now, Dr. Dave, we've got about 30 seconds here. What are some other creatures or insects that produce web-like things that we may be seeing in the coming months on some of our trees? Yeah, we've already seen the eastern tent caterpillar. That's the one that starts early in the spring with uh, the, the web right at the branch crotches. We're going to see fall webworms coming up pretty quick. Those are actually the things that hit kind of midsummer. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the walnuts and sweet gum and hickory and that type of thing. That's probably your number one uh, web thing. You're going to start noticing that it. it's been really bad in North Georgia the last few years. 
Wow. Okay, so we'll get into more detail with that and just some of the things to be on the lookout with Dr. Dave Coyle from Clemson University, assistant professor in the Department of Forestry and Environmental Health Conser- or Environmental Conservation there in Clemson. So we will be back with more of your calls. Great questions. Join us, 404-872-0750. We'll be back on Green and Growing. The latest information on the coronavirus outbreak in Georgia and across the country, 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. We hope that you and your family are safe and healthy. And this weekend, we hope you get some fresh air outdoors. Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitt says today and tomorrow, very similar, partly cloudy and warm. Highs in the mid-50s and lows only getting down into the low 60s. Dr. Dave Coyle alongside with uh, from Clemson University to help tackle some of your questions. We're talking about tree health and some pests and insects and that kind of thing. So I want to talk to Harold out in Conyers. Good morning, Harold. Thanks so much for calling the show. How can we help? Hey, how you doing? Go Tigers! Oh, well, yeah, we, we could say that for our guest, absolutely, but we got to throw in a Go Dogs, too! <laughs> so what oh, can yeah. we do for go you? Dogs. Uh, I've got approximately five huge pine trees in my backyard. I don't know whether the pay a lot of money to have those taken down or just use them as good shade trees which which what do you recommend well that's tough you know it all depends on kind of how big your yard is and what your eventual plan is there the health of the trees i mean i i have no problem with pines they're great shade trees it fits in a spot where you want to put something else in there or if they're starting to uh, decline and you know drop a lot of branches and look unhealthy then it might be worth looking into getting them out of there but you know i'm i'm a pine proponent if they're in the right spot they're a great shade tree okay great i just got one more quick question i'll let you go i know you got a lot of people holding okay i've got an a, a huge oak tree that's slightly off my property line and it's dead it's been dead for a year and i've tried to get my neighbor to take it down and they refuse to take it down how long can a dead oak tree a huge oak tree live before it will actually fall Boy, that is a great question. Mm-hmm. You know, more than likely branches are going to start dropping at some point. Um, yeah. As far as, like, how long that is, that's, uh, you just can't tell that. It, it just totally depends on how soon those decay fungi move in there and how soon, you know, nature takes its course. And that's going to depend on the weather. That's going to depend on the pests that are there, all that type of thing. So, so Harold, um, for you, georgiaarborist.com is how you can find a, a certified arborist to come out there and take a look. Georgiaarborist.com is a great website. And, Dr. Dave, we've got about a minute, so I don't mean to rush. And Annie in Decatur, mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to take you on the air, but she's got a great question, something that she's seeing on her crepe myrtle. The branches are charred. And I could visualize that as soon as that's what she told DeMarco, our phone screen, or what she was seeing. My first thought was like a scale, and sooty mold mm-hmm. is actually kind of the excrement of the scale insect that's up and down that uh, crepe myrtle. What do you think? I think you're right. I think it sounds like you've got scale insects on there. Scale insects are kind of like little aphids. They put their little mouth parts into that plant and suck the, the fluids out of it, and then they basically poop out sugar water, and yeah. that sugar water drips down the plant and a fungus grows on it, a black fungus, we call it sooty mold. So my concern is that you, there are crepe myrtles there, and there's an invasive scale insect called the crepe myrtle bark scale oh. that is moving uh, more into the southern, south, I should say, moving more into the eastern part of the region. It's very common in the western Gulf in Texas and Arkansas, but we're seeing it. We found it in South Carolina last year for the first time. So we'll follow up I, on that for sure. Yes, well, Dave, please. I want folks to be able to find you, interact with you. How can they find you? on social media 
You can find me at Dr. Dave Coyle on Twitter. I'm on there quite a bit. And, you know, feel free to Google Dave Coyle Clemson and my Clemson webpage will pop right up. I'm happy to answer folks' questions there, too. And I'll go ahead and put you on the spot right now in front of all these listeners. Can I have you back? Absolutely. It'd be great. I love it. We'll do it again. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Dave Coyle from Clemson University. If you reach out to me, I'll get you in touch with him. He's been a great guest and an expert on the show today. we got to get out of here and check news, weather, and traffic on 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. 8.36 on what is shaping up to be a beautiful Saturday morning. Thank you for tuning in to Green and Growing on WSB. If I had a prize to give away, I would give a prize to Dr. Dave Coyle. We had so much fun and time just flew by. Assistant Professor of the Department of Forestry and Environmental Conservation at Clemson University. You had some great questions for him. And if I had a second prize, I would give it to Tom in Canton, who I just talked with offline. Tom had a great question that I'm going to follow up with an answer for him. That's what I I try to do. If I can't get to your call, I don't want to leave you hanging. And it's good research and good practice for me to look up answers later and kind of get back in touch with you. But Tom knew that I worked at WCHK in Canton, Georgia, 20 years ago. Whoa. So, yeah, he's definitely worthy of a prize. I don't even know what the station is anymore, but that was a small news talk station up in Canton when I was in high school and I had braces and I read obituaries and updated sports scores. And then there was an oldies station, Sunny 100, and did some things for them. And here I am on WSB. It's been a really fun journey, a really interesting journey and and challenging at times. But, man, it's been fun. Radio is just one of the coolest businesses ever. I've had a blast. So we're hosting the show, Green and Growing. We could not do it without the sponsorship of Pike Nursery. All of you in Metro Atlanta and even some listeners who may have in North Carolina know exactly the nursery I'm talking about. And they're wonderful employee owners. And we've got Desiree Hyman along with us this Saturday morning. Desiree, hey, welcome back. Good morning. Are you having a great weekend? Yeah, it's going to be another beautiful weekend in Atlanta. We've had a lot lately. We've been very lucky in that regard. We really have no major storms or anything crazy. I think a tropical storm may be headed for, for parts of Florida, but so far we're getting good weather. And the good news for all our gardening friends and people who are just itching to get outside, the nurseries are back open. It seemed like it was forever that they were closed, <laughs> but that is really good news for your customers. Yes, absolutely. So we're open every day from nine to six. So you can come in and, you know, pick out your vegetables, your beautiful plants, etc. We're there for you. Now, are people still using the online, you know, ordering plants and things that way? Yes, you can still request uh, items for home delivery on our website, uh, pikenursery.com. So if you're not comfortable coming into the store, uh, that's another really great option as well. Okay, great. And I know, you know, commonly right now, the best thing about the nurseries is just the color and folks shopping for annuals. And if they don't want to try any of the things that may think they may think are challenging, annuals are just a good pop of color, pretty easy. I myself am going to come pick up some portulaca because I love that. And I think it's such a fun little plant. Um, but what is the annual that you are highlighting this weekend? So today we're talking about Calibracoa, which is one of um, my personal favorite annuals. So if you don't know it by name, because the name is kind of kind of tricky. But it's fun to it's, say, it's, Calibracoa. It is, <laughs> Calibracoa. It is kind of fun to say. 
Uh, it basically has small kind of petunia-like flowers. And it, what's the best about it is there's so many varieties that you can choose basically any color you want from red, orange, yellow, hot pink. And then there's a ton of varieties that you know have multiple colors. Uh, one of my favorites is Lemon Slice, which is a white and yellow striped flower. Uh, so really fun option to add lots of color, whether that's in the garden or it's really, really nice in container gardens. Mm-hmm. So they do like full sun, um, which tends, you know, we all usually have that sunny spot that we're trying to trying to figure out what to put there. It can take some partial sun as well. Now, are really, they really great plant? Are they best done maybe like in a hanging basket by themselves, or like you said, in container gardens? Would they fall into the you know for someone that's never seen one? Would they fall into <laughs> yeah. the thriller, spiller, or filler category? So they're great in hanging baskets, and they kind of fall into two categories. So they're a little bit of a filler, but they are a trailing plant. So they'll grow up to twelve to eighteen inches. So they do kind of as well so kind of a nice multi-use plant and then if you don't want it to trail as much you can always just pinch it back to keep a little bit more of kind of a mounding shape versus trailing as well so a little versatility there and it definitely you know earns its spot especially in you know container gardens hanging baskets like you mentioned etc yes so that is so fun so calibracoa at pike nursery just one of the many beautiful annuals you will see right now and what what can folks just you know before i let you go desiree what can folks be doing right now with their containers or even just their patio and, and balcony gardening well we're all still spending a little bit more time at home So if you haven't already, now is a great time to kind of change out those containers if you already have some, or you can start from scratch. So you can come in, we can help you pick out some pottery, some soil, uh, different plant arrangements, or if you don't want to play in the dirt, we have some container gardens that are already (laughs) pre-made, ready to go for instant color and you know, you don't have to tell anyone that we did it for you. That's right. And if mom got some of those last weekend, they are still looking beautiful, I'm sure, from Mother's Day and thriving. Just don't forget to water, right? Right, right. <laughs> Especially as the temperatures get a little bit warmer. You know, make sure that we're, we're keeping an eye on our plants as well. Well, thank you so much, Desiree. And how can folks find out more about Pike Nursery? Um, you can visit our website, pikenursery.com. Or follow us online at Facebook or um, Instagram, Pike Nurseries. And then people will get word, too, if they follow you on social media, especially. I am so anxious for classes to start back up. And I know it may be a while, but folks will get good notifications, whether they sign up for your newsletter or follow you on social media of when all that can kind of fire back up. Correct. And we'll probably start with virtual classes. Oh, cool. uh, Just to make sure that, you know, we're we're being kind of safe and mindful as well. We're definitely trying to make sure that we're putting safety as as number one while still giving people a chance to, you know, go outside and play in the dirt. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. All right, Desiree, I'll be seeing all of you at Pike Nursery. Go to pikenursery.com for a location near you. 404-872-0750. Good morning to John in Atlanta. You've been so patient. Good morning. Welcome. No problem. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, okay, two issues. One is, I'm, the word for today is rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call these things mafia gangster rabbits. Oh, we man, a, they're bad, huh? <laughs> yes, Lord. We have a six-foot wooden fence. Um, and we've been boarding the bottom, you know, so they can stop getting in. And yeah. then inside, we built a six-foot 
um, mesh, I guess it's called a chicken wire fence. Mm-hmm. I know they can't get through there. These things still get in. It's a brand-new garden, eh, about a month, maybe a month to five weeks old. And uh, these rabbits still get in. Now, we got deer and rabbit repellent. We know about the human hair. We've tried everything. And these guys, I don't know, they just say, I'm going to still get in there. And we can't really tell if they're eating anything, but they're pooping everywhere. So how can I stop that from the garden? Ah, Double fencing would have been my go-to. And and you're so smart to realize you've got to board up the bottom of any kind of wire mesh or anything like that because they'll just go right underneath it. Now, there is a product, Thyrum, and that's kind of a bitter taste and it's a repellent, but it's not labeled for edible plants. So... Unfortunately, if anyone has given someone that advice, you got to be real careful as far as the organic matter and things that you're trying to use around a vegetable garden. So, but what about, I mean, if just some, you know, smell repellents and taste repellents to keep them out of there, because obviously if we keep them out of there, then the, then the pooping issue is taken care of too. Have you tried any kind of peppers or anything like that? We've tried that as well. And they just go past it as if, Hey, uh, oh, no, 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 not the peppers. No, we haven't. No, we did the, the repellent. No, not the peppers. Okay. We haven't tried that one. Yeah, Ropel is a commercial product that gives a bitter taste, Ropel. But again, we need to read the label because I'm not sure if that has thyrum in it. It might. Tabasco sauce and cayenne pepper people have had luck with. I don't know if there's anything, if anyone knows, I would be. I would love for you to call if there's any like a scarecrow type thing or a fake owl or something, you know, that a rabbit would just see and go running. But if they're like gangster mafia rabbits, man, they they may not be afraid of anything. Well, John, I'm going to get you some information. I'm going to put you on hold and I'm going to get in touch with the Fulton County Extension office because if that is just rampant there in Fulton County, I mean, I have a few rabbits, but like not crazy. I want to see if they've recommended to folks anything that's worked with success and you know something interesting about rabbits, as cute as they are and, and, and as you know fluffy and adorable as some of us think they are, John, not so much, but some of them only live to be a year. Like there's only very, very few that even live to see their third birthday. So that's crazy. And they multiply, of course, as we know. Uh, so their life cycle is really short. That's a very interesting thing about rabbits. I, I'm not sure if you knew. So, yeah, John, you hang on the line. I'm going to get your information and hopefully get you some really successful tips from people who have done it and who have tried. And if anyone has feedback for me on that, the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, we got to help John out. He's being overrun, and I feel so bad. All right, one more call. This comes from Rick in North Cobb County. Welcome to Green and Growing. How can we help? Good morning. Hey there. I I have a centipede yard that uh, has a lot of dandelions, nuts, hedge, uh, that kind of stuff in it. And back mid-April, April 14th, I put spectricide down. And it seems to be working, except where I missed spots. Mm-hmm. I inconsistently covered it. So I've got some strips that are that still have those tiny little yellow blooms, you know, like 5 to 10 millimeters across, mm-hmm. tiny little blooms. And what I was wondering, and still a lot of dandelions, and I was, can I go back now and do more spectricide? Or I was thinking about maybe spotting those places I missed with something like Image. You what can. Would be, you, Absolutely. I, Whatever your, your product preference is as far as the spectricide, Bonide makes a good weed control product as well, and BioAdvance. They're all kind of basically the same, too. But as far as post-emergent, which is what you're using now after you've already seen the weeds, when that centipede is greened up, mm-hmm. and it is now, yeah. May and June are going to be the safest time to use those post-emergent herbicides. So, yeah, I would go ahead and do that. 
so it's safe to go ahead and do it again. Yes. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, the the post-emergent, like the spray herbicides, they're very uh, susceptible to all the environmental conditions, you know, whether it's the sun or the water, rain and all that kind of thing. So it doesn't hurt to apply it again. The only thing, read the label directions to warn you is to not use it. Obviously, you don't use it when it's dormant. So like you said, the grass is green. It's fine. But if it's any in any way drought stressed. Um, if centipede is drought stressed yeah. and you use uh, a herbicide at the wrong time, it's going to do more harm than good. But it sounds like you're yeah. you're mostly ahead, so that's that's great news for you, Rick. Yeah, you're okay. Okay, so but as far as going back with something like the the image, is easier to to see what you're doing with it mm-hmm. as far as where it goes. Mm-hmm. To should I completely broadcast the whole yard or just spot where I, where I've I've got the heavy um, weeds. Right now, I would just spot treat it. I would just spot it with where you've got the heavy weeds because it sounds like you've got a great regimen otherwise, you know, and keeping up with the fertilization too. We want the healthy centipede, so we're going to keep up with irrigation is going to be really important, especially in the coming months and a good uh, fertilization regimen. You know, that the stronger the grass is, the tougher it is, it's going to keep the weeds out. So you're on the right track, Rick. Thank you so much for calling. We had to take a break and then some final thoughts. On 95.5 WSB, we'll be back. Keeping you updated on the coronavirus and its impact on our economy. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. And we're back with the last little part of Green and Growing. It's been a really fun show. Thank you so much for calling in and for all your questions. I think I got to most of the calls, which I consider a success for sure. So you're going to have a successful weekend. You're going to have a really good one. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. I can tell you because it's going to be partly cloudy and warm today and tomorrow. Really the same. Highs in the mid 80s and lows in the low 60s. So I work weird hours during the week. I'm, I'm in at work at about 4.15 every morning. So I took a nap yesterday. I took a nap. And when I woke up, I had this really fun video text message from a coworker, Randy. If you ever listen to the Mark Aram show, she's been on Millennial Match Game, and she is just a hoot. She's a really pleasant person around here in the building. And she had some garden questions for me in her video. Listen to this. What I wanted to know, for one, on some of these... You see the like little cob or uh, looks like fuzzy stuff. She's got portulaca. What is that? By the My way. father said it was a spider mites, and he said to spray it with dishwashing liquid and water. Mm-hmm. I just want to get a second opinion because they're like there are a few of them all through here, and <laughs> I just actually wet them with that stuff. So like the you know the dish detergent. So it's kind of covered them for now. So here's my plan. One of the things I want to know when the plant start or the flower starts looking like. Um, Kind of like this, She's right? still talking about portulaca. It's still nice, but it's starting to wither or gets shrinkly. Should I pick those? Because I didn't know. I've been, like, picking the ones that look they're dying so that it's a new head can come through. <laughs> Is that what I should be doing? A couple of those you can tell because they look like little balls now where I have pulled, pulled off the old ones. Then my, I think these are my petunias over here. Yes. Um, these, I've been grabbing some of the dead ones off of here, and I want to know if I've been doing that right. So, like, here's one that I think is probably about to go out on me. Can I pull that, or should I just let it fall? Um, I've been trying to, since I don't have it hanging, it is, like, meant to hang. <laughs> I, I just turn it every day. Like, throughout the day, I turn it for different parts of the sun. So, just wanted your opinion about how kind of upkeep it, if I should be peeling stuff out or letting it fall on its own. 
This is what I love. I love just natural questions that occur to us. When we buy flowers, they look so pretty in the nursery, and then you get them home, and it's like, oh, how do I keep them alive? So she had portulaca, which I just spoke to Desiree with Pike Nursery about. Really cool little fun succulent. It's called moss rose. It's also called purslane if you want to look it up. It's fun. It's really a pretty little flower. And she was talking about deadheading them. So they don't need to be deadheaded necessarily when the bloom fades, but you can. And they are annuals here in Georgia, but they do produce seed. So that would be a fun thing to try to kind of keep some of the seed. They grow in, grow in like rocks and gravel. And then she had a hanging basket of petunias. Who doesn't love that? Yes, you've got to deadhead your petunias. My pansies are still doing well. They're cool season, but deadheading those, that always invigorates new growth and new flowers. So Randy, girl, thank you so much for the questions. I think they were wonderful. And I love that she's young and she's into gardening. She has a beautiful balcony at an apartment here in Atlanta. And keep up the questions. I love them coming from any of you. Visit the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, and I'm happy to interact with you there. Just make sure you're doing everything that you want to do and getting things done right in the landscape. So I hope you have a wonderful Saturday morning. I'll be back on Monday morning with Triple Team Traffic. Thanks. Take care. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.